Thanks so much for tuning in to the Four Stories Podcast, where we will talk about the four most important stories of your life, your relationships, and your career. And here's your host, Chris Watson. I have one of my best friends in the house today from New York City, Nathan Williams. Thanks so much for being on, dude. No problem, man. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to go through the life story of Williams. I can tell you it's a very exciting story. And who knows? I might even learn a thing or two as uh, he is self-reflecting on his story of his life. So let's uh, let's kick it off, man. Um, what are the three influential memories from your childhood that have impacted your life You know, to this day? Yeah, I'd say first is that my parents always had people over and they're always talking to people, caring about people, hanging out with people. So I'd say people matter is something that I remember from my childhood in every aspect of my life. My parents were always with people. Um, my dad was a great showman. So he loved being in front of groups and speaking. He worked much better at speaking to a thousand people than to 10 people or one person. And then my mom was definitely the, the woman who loved having people over could have conversations for hours and hours with people. It was very personal on that one-to-one level. Um, so just always memories of having people over, uh, chatting with people always over for dinner, um, and, which was pretty cool. Uh, second thing is hardworking. Like my parents always worked very hard. They never had like tons of cash, but my dad would always put the time in at work, but also be home uh, to take care of us. Uh, even if they were doing other things, maybe around the house, painting, taking care of the yard, uh, they were always busy and always active, um, never lazy. And uh, that helped instill that in me that, you know, you always need to be working and moving. And there is a time for rest, uh, but there's also time to to work hard. And last, they were always supportive of me. Like No matter what I wanted to do, they were supportive of me. Um, anything from, hey, I want to go run track to I want to take a road trip to Chicago, to I want to change my entire degree path of what I want to do with my career, their response was always, okay, that sounds good. And it was always nice to have parents that you knew supported you, uh, kind of no matter what happened. So people, and like loving people, definitely hardworking aspect to their, uh, to their lives and supporting me just in whatever I wanted to do. Yeah, you know what I'm noticing more and more is when people tell their, you know, their three memories, uh they really shape who they are like without them even knowing and it's just pretty incredible I think. You know, your your parents absolutely um as I even came over and they were shared their lives with me and uh, we got to sign the guest book on top of the piano every time we came over and you know, uh your mom was just the most hospitable person in the world and your dad didn't know a stranger, and I feel like all these qualities infused in who you are. You're a people person. Uh, you work extremely hard in whatever you're doing, um, and and you're always supportive of other people. Um, I don't like it that you brought up the Chicago trip since I was not invited to that, but that's another topic <laughs> for another day. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, I, I uh, think... Unintentional, unintentional. Yeah, yeah sure. Um here I, here I say best friend and you're like oh yeah that one trip you didn't go on i'll go ahead and mention that on the, on your podcast thanks a lot 
Um, but no, I, I think, I, I think like, uh, it, it's interesting because I, what I'm finding is if I would ask these questions to people like 10 years ago, they may not have been able to reflect on the exact things they loved about their parents. Um, and if they would have, it would have been for that time 10 years ago, 10 years fast forward. Well, this is you hardworking at your job. You're freaking killing it. Always supportive. You're supportive of your friends. You're supportive of your wife. You're supportive of your family and you're a people person, which is why, you know, you're doing so well and, and, and everything that you do. Um, so, you know, tell me, I really, really love this question. Um, and I'm interested to see what you say, but when was the first time that you experienced real success and real failure? And what I mean by that is not like a soccer game or anything like that. I'm just something that like you created something you put your time in something that you thought was purpose or, or something you're passionate about that you had success or you had failure in your life. Sure. I would say they, for me, they go hand in hand. Um, going to undergrad at a religious university where you're intended to work in some type of religious institution or intended to work at a nonprofit. I came out of there thinking that's what I wanted to do and did that for the first year or so. And in that first year, it was so hard and so difficult and threw me into a new place doing things I'd never done before. And I just said, this is not me. This is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. And it's hard to look on that and go, I went to school for four years for now some, to learn something that I don't really want to do. And so it's admitting in a way a failure that would you change the school you went to? Would you go to a different? Would you do it all over again that way? I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth sometimes, but that was a, a failure. And in that failure of realizing this is not me, I realized that that was my first or biggest success at that moment was saying, this is not me and that's okay. And not everyone will support me and believe me, uh, believe that that was the right decision. But for me, that was my biggest success to say, this is a failure. And I'm going to change. I'm going to go do something else. And here's my plan to get there. And here's my plan to go work in marketing or public relations. Wasn't sure at the time. Um, and I'm going to go back to grad school. And I'm going to move back to my hometown for nine months, which is kind of embarrassing, not something I want to do. And stay there, find a grad school, and then go to grad school. So biggest failure is definitely going to school for four years or something that it, after a year I decided I didn't even want to do. And then biggest success was being willing to learn everything over again and, and start my career in something different. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think back to, to those years, I think <laughs> uh, not only was it a success in that moment, but it, it has dramatically made your story that much more impactful that you have ended up where you are at now based upon uh, you know, the, the past and the amount of time that you invested there, you know, and, and obviously I think it's hard for us to ever look back and say, Oh, I would have changed that whole part of my story. Cause it makes us who we are. Right. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it's, I know for me and you doing that, it probably saved people like me from making choices like that. Uh, you know, because obviously, you know, us going to high school together at a, you know, private religious school, we were all kind of like, 
ushered or, uh, you know, asked to like, hey, this should be a part of your life. Would you consider this? And so I think you kind of going through that and saying, yeah, it's just it wasn't the place for me uh, really kind of, I think, solidified it for other people to say it's OK if you go to a school like this, it enriches your life. But then you decide this isn't the path for me. You know what I mean? 100 percent, because there is a time when you look at these things and it's OK to admit that it's not right for you. And it may just be that it's not the right fit for your passion. It might be that you're just not good at something. And like, that's okay. And I think we look at those things as failure, but it's okay to admit that and realize that there's a huge opportunity that could come from that to either be something that you can find fulfillment in or find something that you can be successful in. Now, there is a time to just work hard and just do it, even if you don't feel like it, even if it doesn't feel like the right thing. But there's also time to just go, yep, not for me going to try something else and that's okay yeah i couldn't agree more um so uh, what actions or innate abilities i guess seemed abnormal maybe to your peers or just made you a little bit different right um or, or just something you look back on and you're like you know what that kind of separated me that you think about like you're in this career what you do well and you can recognize it and then you kind of look back at like the story of your life and say you know what i was doing this exact same thing when i was you know, 10, 11, 12, 15 years old. So what do you think that was for you? Two things, 100%. Number one is, I know my father maybe never met a stranger. My viewpoint on life is that everyone to me is a pre-friend. If they know me well enough, if I know them, we're going to be friends in some way, shape, or form. So never met a stranger. That's a differentiator. That's something that walk through the halls of stores like I just want to talk to everyone I want to get to know everyone I'm the weirdo on the airplane that like really wants to talk to you I probably won't um, all the time but I want to and then second thing is like my mind loves details and loves money and budgets and numbers I just love drilling down that you might have one thing you're trying to accomplish and I love figuring out the 200 tasks to get there but I would say those are very different in my mind of wanting to get down into the details and live in a spreadsheet or a computer, but then also be very outgoing and gregarious. And I say those two things together have helped me be who I am today to be able to manage projects and manage teams, but also still maintain that relationship with my teams and with my clients and the people we're, we're working with. Yeah. And, and, you know, those same skills helped to plan out the uh, world record trip that we took where we made sure to take a picture with every single state sign in 50 states, as well as an alternate, just in case. Dude, the devil's in the details. And <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned in life, you always have to have a backup plan. So I always like to plan a backup plan for my backup plan for my backup plan. Yeah, well, I think you said something that I think is super important is that sometimes you meet people that are totally social, that can't, you know, grind and, and dig deep and focus on some of these, as you call them, gregarious, uh, you know, situations or projects. And, you know, they're just social people. They just talk all the time and it's hard for them to stay focused or vice versa. They're so focused that they, you know, they're almost socially awkward and they miss that. And so I think the combination of who you are, you know, that's what makes you a, a rarity. I think that's what probably what, what connects you and I the most is, is that I'm the Mr. Social guy. I'm spontaneous. I go crazy. Uh, you help me stay focused. And I probably tell you, hey, chill out, have some fun. And, and you know, I think that's <laughs> that's really, you know, that's really probably 
you know, why, why we're a match and, and enjoy spending time together. And uh, I know I appreciate that about you because, you know, that's the people I need around me because I lose focus sometimes. You know, for me, it's all about the relationship. It's all about the story of the relationship. Uh, so speaking of that, I guess, you know, what are your goals and dreams that you're pursuing now? And, and you might just talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now in New York City and a little bit of your journey. And then, and I know this is a, a tough question for, uh, uh, you know, a person who lives in Manhattan in the, in the career you're in, but maybe like your future goals and like why. Yeah, so I work in advertising and I work for an ad agency and we do all the advertising for uh, kind of the one, one of the biggest telecom clients in the U.S. It's obviously one of the, one of the two that you, that you know of and I've heard of all the time. And uh, I'm an account manager there, so I work on projects and see them through, but I also am responsible to the clients to make them happy to do what's best uh, for them um, and to help run our, run our team at our agency. So, and been in advertising about 10 years, different agencies in Seattle and uh, in LA and lived in New York before and you know, managed global teams, run projects for Microsoft, run stuff for Xbox, American Express, just a lot of different brands. And yeah, my story is I came out of college, worked in a nonprofit for a year and realized not for me and went to grad school up at uh, Gonzaga University where I got my first job uh, at an agency through a friend of a friend and started working there. And then it just kind of took off from there. And I think when you ask like, what is success or what are your goals? To me in that time coming out of the nonprofit world, it was 100% get a job in PR or advertising, check, goal. So I did that. So I went to grad school, completed that, got a job in advertising while at grad school. And then you say, I wanna work at a big agency. So then I worked at a big agency. Well, I wanna work on big brands. I wanna work on cool brands. Well, check, check. And so then you come to this point in my life where I'm 36 years old and I work in Manhattan at a big agency on a giant account. And you go, what else do you want to do? And I think that's what I have a hard time with recently in conversations I've had with friends or what are my goals for the next 10 years? I think it's easier for me to figure out steps to get there than it is for me to set the goals. And that's the challenge because I'm a pretty content person, but you also say, what do you want to do? And the world in 10 years is going to look a lot different. So it's very hard for me to, to write those goals down and figure that out. I mean, that's just something I'm uh, starting to do is I've got a book where you can write down your goals and you write down your steps to get those goals. And for me, it's, it, it's tough to figure that out, but that's part of the grind. Once you've achieved what you think are, you know, matters in life, to me, it's education, agency, making money, working on big accounts, sounding cool sometimes. And you go, okay, what else do I want to accomplish? So I think I'm at a transition to go, well, what do I want to do in the future? And what really matters? There's plenty more to accomplish in advertising um, but and to move up in the world for sure. But is that what I want? So I, I, to be honest, like I'm trying to figure that out right now. So, you know, obviously the audience doesn't know, but you, you've bounced around, lived in a lot of cities and a lot of places, uh, you know, in your in your you know last, I guess, you know, uh, what is that? 14 years out of college. Right. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I guess I guess my question would be is, why do you think, uh, you know, you're at a juncture where settling down seems to be 
the right answer when so often previous in your life it was nomadic jump to the next thing like what what do you think's kind of changed in your mind where uh you know the you're not going to take the next big leap or whatnot and i don't think it's settling down i think it's taking time to figure out what i want to do mm. because it started small agency want to work in a larger agency great mm. now i'm at a larger agency i want to work in new york move to new york great now i want to work on something interesting great move to seattle i worked on xbox and, and microsoft and then oh, i want to be back in new york new york now i'm back in new york i've done something different i've worked on a global team i work on a, a good account so i think it's less about me settling down because i wouldn't even say i'm ready to settle down but i would say i'm try- i need to reset my vision for what success is and where i want to go mm. because i've moved up the ladder enough in advertising to fulfill my desire to quote, like do well in advertising. So I'm trying to figure out like what else is there and what I want to really pursue. And I would just say like, it's tough. It's a grind. It's not as easy. There are people out there who say, this is my vision. Like you, man, like this is my vision. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go do it. And I'm like, I can get to the place, but I didn't know what place that is first. And then once I get a spark of the idea, then I'm gangbuster to get there. But that spark is the hardest thing for me to, really like work through to figure out yeah well i mean maybe you reach out to gary v and go work at vayner media or something like that maybe that's the next step i don't know um but i i would say this it's just a thought that popped in my head and i guess that the you know the entire world that listens to this gets to hear this but i would say man that maybe maybe your definition of success doesn't include your career right now maybe maybe there it's okay to keep doing what you're doing at a big agency for, you know, a big company. And maybe your definition of success is more about your marriage and your relationships and, you know, things outside of your job. Like, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to include like finding the next job. It could just be, I'm going to be content and kill it on my job because, you know, I, I enjoy what I'm doing and I am good at it, you know? So I guess, you know, sometimes I, you're right. Like for me, like I've always said, my greatest strength and my greatest weakness are the exact same thing. And that's ambition. Every time I accomplish something, I'm like, okay, what's next? Uh, I mean, the, the day I got my first teaching and coaching job, I enrolled for a master's program. I mean, that's crazy. So, you know, maybe it's just a time to, you know, be content and be like, it's okay. I'm going to be content when I'm doing it and I'm killing it and I love it. And then, you know, success now looks like my job is the filter to help me be the best, you know, whatever else, or, you know, maybe break another world record or I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if that's good advice. It's just, that's what's in my head of thinking of like, at some point, it's kind of like, okay, I'm content doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, my vision maybe have to do more with my life outside of work uh, or, I don't know, some side hustle and start doing photography again. And I agree with you that fulfillment in the last three or four years has shifted towards fulfillment in job to fulfillment elsewhere because those other things really matter and your job could be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think what's challenging though is being in this culture of New York and if you don't uh, you don't understand it unless you've lived in New York um in this certain culture that it's very I know everyone in LA and Chicago and Dallas is like I hate you I understand I live in a big city like you don't get it unless you live in Manhattan and are here in the center of it of how much drive there is and how much passion and how much competition there is so even if I were to settle down on my job now I have to think man, in three years, who do I need to be to stay in my job and keep my job and keep moving forward? 
So it's a balance between settling down and looking at the real priorities, but still doing professional development and understanding that that matters because I'm not to retire for like another 25 years. So I still have to keep growing and shifting the world. So I would say that's the biggest goal right now is to figure out what are my goals, what are my priorities, and how do I balance both while still developing personal and work at the same time. Yeah, it's really interesting because it sounds like in Manhattan, people never ask how are things going. They just always ask what's next, right? And so you kind of get into that place. And, And so I think what's interesting is basically what you're saying is I am fulfilled in my jobs. People are asking me what's next, and I'm trying to stay committed to preparing myself for what's next, even though I'm fulfilled in my job. And that's probably a really awkward weird place to kind of be in that, you know, fulfillment has shifted and, you know, you're, you're married and you guys are doing a lot of fun stuff together as, as a married couple and, you know, all the other stuff that enriches your life. And then like you're fulfilled, but everybody else in the, in the, in, in the workforce is like, Hey, what's next? What do you got? What do you got to do next? And how are you going to be prepared for that next jump and, and promotion? You know? So I, I, yeah, I can't, I, I, I can't imagine. Um, I, I guess I would probably say <laughs> I would probably fit in because I find myself as you're saying it, I'm actually kind of being a little convicted because I ask teachers all the time. So what's your plans? What's next? And they're kind of like, uh, nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to keep be. I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm just going to continue being a great teacher. And I'm like, Oh, okay. But like, I can't imagine a life for that for myself. Like I always like, okay, I'm going to, um, you know, do this podcast and write this book and everything on a side hustle basis. And then, that's going to end up being my full career. And then after that, I'm going to start my own multi-million dollar organization. And then after that, I'm going to, you know, hire Williams to come and do all my marketing and PR and pay him double what he's making now. And, you know, it's like, I have all these thoughts in my head and it's like, yeah, I won't stop until, you know, I'm probably dead. Well, time to move Manhattan, man. Time to move <laughs> Manhattan. Um, so, all right. So here comes the the last question. And I, I'm really excited to hear your answer because I don't think I've ever asked you this, but when you're gone, you know, when, when, when you're dead and, you know, um, somebody's there getting to tell people your story in, in a sentence or less, tell me what you would want someone to say about your life story, about who you were after you're gone. I think first of all, hands down, I want them to say he loved people. Not love people like he liked people. Like a lot of people can just go, ah, I like people. Loving people, which means like sacrificing of yourself, doing things and maybe going one step further than you're comfortable with as far as like taking care of someone or helping out with someone or looking out for someone. I want them to say that he actually like not just liked, but really loved people. And that's a challenging thing every day. It's easy for me to like people, but it's always hard to continue to really love people. And second of all, I would like people to say that he did the most with his abilities that he could. There are people out there with higher IQs or they can run faster, this or that. And all we can do is work on ourselves and do the best with what we can. And I feel very convicted to say, what are my abilities and how do I make the most out of this brain and body and everything that I've been given um, to, to do work well? And whatever that is, whether that is being very skilled at something or, um, or getting a certain degree or making like whatever that means, I think it's to make the most of, of the talents and abilities um, that I've been given. I don't have every talent. I don't have every ability. But at the end of my life, I want to say, hey, I did the most with that 
that I could. So I think it's like worked hard, work well, work wisely in not just in a job, but in everything. Um, and also loving people at the same time. And I think those two balance one another out. If you're really, really working hard, but still looking out for people, it kind of balances the workout. And if you're really, really loving people, say in your job, and you're not working hard, that's not really loving them, right? If you're their coworker, loving them is actually to work hard and, and take work off of them and be a partner with them. So I, I think it's a good balance to have, and it covers the work and personal and kind of both. Awesome, man. Love you, man. I, I appreciate you hopping on and telling us your your life story and your hopes and dreams and everything that you're doing. I know you're impacting millions of people, man, and um, shaping culture wherever you work and what you do. And um, uh, would you mind if, if you drop some of your, uh, you know, like your Instagram or Facebook or something on here so people can reach out to you if they wanted to ask you some questions about what you do? Yep. That sounds great. You can feel free to, uh, to drop my Instagram and people can reach out to me if they want. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I am New York by Nate, New York by Nate. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for, for being on and for everybody listening. Thanks so much for joining us on the four stories podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was insightful. I hope it was impactful. And I look forward to an opportunity we can connect find me on social media at the four stories or you can send me an email at four stories at dchriswatson.com would love to have you on the show love to connect with you love to work with you or your organization talk to you soon peace